0: Welcome to Vesperism's The Art of Thinking for Yourself. This bonus episode, a companion to Episode 3, Embodiment, is the full, unedited interview with Troy Bronsink. He's an author and director of The Hive, a center for contemplation, art, and action in Cincinnati, Ohio. We talk about an artistic and spiritual understanding of the physical body, why it's so important for artists to connect with their physicality, and a guided meditation to help ground us both in our bodies and our homes in a time where we're separated from others. Here's my interview with Troy Bronsink. So Troy, thank you for joining me here on Vesperisms. It's great to chat with you. Thanks a bunch. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about the subject of embodiment with and... So we started working together about five years ago, four or five years ago, when you were giving me spiritual direction, specifically because of this concept of embodiment. I was trying to more fully empathize with my character of Goethe Rausch in my novel, What the Night Sings. But I was struggling in trying to connect not only to her, but also feeling connected with my own body. I wanted to kind of empathize with her and feel what she would have felt. Can you tell me what you remember about that time of us working together, and where you thought, what you thought about where I was at at that time?
1: Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so, I think there was a uh, hmm, what I recall is the uh, the desire to uh, be present to this character arising in you. Um, like recognizing that, that the character and the, the landscape of her life and this experience that is fictional and historical and that, that there was something about allowing it to happen in you rather than this question of kind of forcing it um, and kind of a gentleness of going, as this is arising, uh, how do I give words to it? I think maybe sometimes, you know, artists talk about the difference between showing and telling. And I think you were trying to feel your way into showing the experience as opposed to um, the desire to get ahead of it mentally and tell the experience and try to persuade folks. So it felt like it was a kind of a softening of the heart to the heartbreak and possibility so that uh, the expression came from that place. Um, It was a little while ago, though. So it was (laughs) a little while ago. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it with the showing versus the telling because we always hear that as writers that that's the approach that we want to take is showing r- rather than telling and i hadn't thought of that but that's very true um let me let me think about that a, a little bit more um yeah I mean, there's,
1: a and to, a, there's a way to riff on that because you'll be editing this right uh, yeah of course
0: yeah <laughs>
1: So There's a way to riff on that that would say um, the experience that's happening um, of the world right now isn't a singular um kind of I'm stuck in my one perspective. um what's David White say? The great mistake is to live the drama as if I'm alone, as if I'm the victim of these small experiences um, that are against me, kind of as punishments or whatever i'm I'm, I'm butchering the quote now, but the uh, the notion that instead there is something common that's arising, that I'm uh, opening myself to to participate in. So you're kind of riding the wave of something, and in a sense, creating a soft, supple enough heart to uh, to not overly affect the wave, to just speak of it as it's happening to you. And so, um, what's um, uh, I think the capacity of the artist to soften our heart rather than uh, galvanize ourselves against that we kind of keep uh, softening towards opening. Howard Thurman has this uh, image. Uh, He was a um, civil rights leader and a mentor to Dr. King, a a pastor. And he had this line where he would say um, in every human, there is an ocean and on that ocean is an island. And on that island is an altar. And in front of that altar is an angel with a flaming sword. And the only way past that angel with that flaming sword, the only way to that altar is to have written across my forehead, this is who I am. The only way to get across, past that angel to that altar is to know the fluid area of my consent. That line, the fluid area of my consent, I think is that softening. Can I allow my heart to be broken to what I'm present to? Can I allow my heart to continue to expand to what's unfolding in front of me. And so then what you're showing then is your own vulnerable act rather than telling somebody else's act.
0: Right. Wow. I love that balance between the commonality and the specific that you're getting at Mm -hmm. where maybe a historian would be telling the common story, you know, the, the universal story of, you know, uh, the general story, let's say. Whereas the artist might come in with their particulars and by embodying, you know, by taking in those particulars of the story that you're trying to tell. um, That's how you get to the heart of a, of a specific character or a specific work. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that image of, of the ocean and the island. So it's just, it's drawing in and becoming more and more specific until it's just about the one. You know yeah. the one person I mean, or the one place at the altar
1: it makes me think a little bit about the uh, you know controversy around uh, method acting um that in one sense what what a method actor does is allow their heart to be broken so that's what's shown on stage or on screen is they're very heartbroken not them playing the heart of someone else's heart being broken mm-hmm. um and we know that that can wrench a person right and we know artists that can leave it all on the stage because they're able to do just that so in my experience uh contemplative work and somatic work is about um creating um, a passageway so that i can be so at home with myself that i can allow my heart to be broken but it doesn't have purchase on uh uh, um, there's there's less to be afraid of and you can return home um, there's a, a saying, uh um, a Buddhist saying that says, uh, the bad news is we're falling and there's no parachute and there's nothing to hold on to. And the good news is there is no bottom. Hmm. And so uh, uh I think the reason why we we know some artists uh hit rock bottom so hard is that they're they're falling without uh a sense of like. Do I have the capacity to, f- to keep falling through this without it um, ravaging me, smashing um, you at the,
0: at the end? Yeah,
1: here. yeah. And so it's kind of a both end uh, this this body work.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I resonate with that very much. That's exactly the process I was trying to get at when writing Goethe was how how close do I get. So why do you think it's important for artists and creative people to understand their own relationship to their physical bodies?
1: I mean, it. it I think it's, I think the way I would say it is that uh, um, to create is to learn the channel of this body of mine. Um, and so the intimacy with that like that my voice and my hands and my posture are the brush with which I paint or the pen with which I write, um, and so it's coming home to myself. Uh, John O'Donohue has this quote where he talks about vocation being something that we kind of extract ourselves, and we are, we're an objective viewer trying to make ourselves into something else, and we use our will like a hammer, and it becomes externalistic, and we find ourselves in a famine of our own making. And so, to me uh, if my body is my own, um, tool in my own home, then to become acquainted with it creates the, the ease needed to express what, what, what I'm deeply called or kind of longing to be a part of, um, you know, what's the, the 10,000 hours we spend 10,000 hours in our body, but we aren't conscious of it. And so right. we've spent all this time actually seeing our body like a, like a house we've purchased and we're so excited about it and we want everybody else to see this house but we don't know how to get into the house <laughs> so we're all looking through the windows talking that way about our lives and if you can move into your own life um and grieve what's there and celebrate what's there, way bear the weight of what's there um then then your life can become more congruent with uh, with what you're creating and um and i think everybody's trying to make that journey um right and so when an artist has made that journey her work uh kind of pulls that out in another and they're like oh i want I'm, I'm ready to um move into that space
0: right i i really deeply resonate with that tool versus home like those two things don't need to be mutually exclusive yeah. and i know for so many years i saw my body or my hand, just my hands, my disembodied hands, you know, as the tool, (laughs) right. Or maybe my eyes and my hands together as this multi-tool, you know, Yeah. but never saw my body as my home, which was also a safe place to retreat to, you know, at the end of a long day, or even while I'm creating work, it never felt that way. It always felt like something I had to wield or punish you know, in order to make the work.
1: Well, and I think I, I know a number of artists that not, not, not across the board, but I know a number like singer songwriters and some graphic designers and others that fall into this kind of modern uh, Western approach, which is I, I wield these tools and then on the weekend or whatever your weekend ends up being, I, I let them go. I burn them all the, the ground because I don't mm-hmm. care about them. And then I wield them again. And and so we never actually find what it's like to be satisfied with this body of ours, to be satisfied with the life we're in the midst of living. And uh, and so Sabbath or rest, whatever your weekend looks like becomes um, disembodied. Mm-hmm. and uh, And then work also is disembodied because you're just leveraging and pressuring yourself to create a thing. And if both your rest and your work um, we're good for the soil of your own bones, um, because you've done good, uh, um, crop rotation, then, uh, then, then your, then your body enjoys this ride you're on and you can, and your tears can be your healing and you can be present Mm. to what's, what's happening right now.
0: Oh, I love that. I mean, what a contrast to the kind of, typical artist trope of, you know, the the Hemingway, you know, lying in his bed, getting drunk at the same, you know, or uh, just yeah. going out and partying on the weekend and trying to further numb and disembody from yourself and then expect your body to go to work for you on Monday morning. That's really profound.
1: yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Let me ask you, it's easy to see when people, artists and everybody else, it's easy to see when somebody you know, what we call gets too much in their own head. But do you think it's possible that we can get too much in our own bodies? And what do you think that would look like on the unhealthy side of that spectrum?
1: <laughs> I mean, we, we were just uh, um, going after Hemingway. I, I think that uh, artists, uh, good artists um, are unhealthy. <laughs> so <laughs> in, a, in a sense, like just being on tilt is actually uh, like over our skis is, uh, is a courageous thing. Um, so I think it's the, it's this question of um, am I listening? I, I tell you who's been really helpful for me. There's a whole uh, tradition of work called the Enneagram. And in that work, there's this notion that there's three centers of knowing and perceiving and, uh, and relating. And one of them is the body. Um, which becomes kind of this rooted kind of gut instinct. One of them is the heart, which is really the emotive space um, of allowing emotions and feelings to kind of move and pass through. And then one of them is the head, the intellect. Um, And the wisdom of that kind of integrative thought is that all three of those um, online, when all three of those are online, I'm present in a way where I'm not escaping or where I'm not, Um, addicted to my survival strategies. So uh, it's a roundabout way of saying, I think when we're in our head, because it's our way of surviving, um, the art feels desperate. Um, When I'm in my emotions, because it's my way of surviving, like there's a a sense of uh, glummingness, like a, a neediness of somebody, or a sense of deep despair that that says, I'm isolated and all alone. While that can be beautiful. After a while, that becomes a survival strategy and you're observing someone else surviving. Um, And that's precious, but it doesn't have a a lingering narrative to it. Um, And I think when those that are in their body with anger and with a kind of a fierceness that says, there must be something done now, if they're only in that space and they aren't creating capacity for emotion, creating compassion for uh capacity for consciousness and intellect then then we get off balance i think it's a little more about the weaving together of those three um points of attention in our body than it is about uh, either trying to juggle or balance them or uh or going too far into one side it's almost like you can see some folks go deep all of them go deeper you follow um, extraordinary art and you notice that it's both heartbreaking and volitional and ha- has a capacity to, the the intellectual horizon is mind-blowing and they're doing all of that um right. and so it feels harmonious
0: yeah i i'm an eight on the enneagram as you know and mm-hmm. that's interesting to think about that body aspect as as this kind of gut you know instinctual like action oriented thing rather than really making peace with the body, the heart, and the mind all as something integrated. And in one of the episodes, I spoke about uh, how sometimes um, people will have a concept that art should come directly from theory, you know, that the best Mm -hmm. artists or the best writers are those that are coming from a place of literary criticism or or the Mm -hmm. theoretical first. And... I think that has a lot of shortcomings, you know, because then what do you do with art that is, you know, very emotion based or, you know, very, very physical or, you know, if it's only in the mind or if it's only generated in the mind or even primarily generated in the mind, it's just as non-integrated as someone who's just like, oh, I feel all these things all the time, you know, that kind of, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of trope of the, of the sensitive artist, you know? So I, I love that image of, of those three being integrated as a, as a whole person, you know, that the artist can really be a whole integrated person.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've come to appreciate the bravery of the artist. And I think typically any of us in our first half of the life as younger folks, we get over our skis and where we're brave is a sharp edge to our, to, to what we're putting into the world, which most of us as artists, that's, that's what we've decided is like that. And so this is now what I'm leading with. Um, but I think that the, to, to recognize that the, this is an overused phrase, but I would say that the universe is conspiring with us, that, that, that it's not simply that I got there first from this sharp edge, but that there's other things arising at the same time. And so my, I can recognize that in body, mind and, uh, And the spirit. So
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about the time period that we find ourselves in right now Mm -hmm. with the global pandemic going on. It's a difficult time, obviously. And because of this novel coronavirus, we're all very sequestered from our natural need as human beings for other people. Whether we're introverts or extroverts, there is that sense that, you know, we need that feeling of human connection and we're, we're somewhat cut off from that right now. I mean, we are herd animals after all. Hmm. And right now we're limited with human touch and even with the presence of other people in a room unless we already live with other people. So you run a center for contemplation and I imagine you're not able to gather people right now that correct?
1: <laughs> Not in person,
0: yeah. Not in person. So how are you thinking and processing this personally? Like how is it looking with your family, for instance, who I'm guessing are home with you right now 24 yeah, seven if you're, you're gonna if Ohio is. in a minute, yeah. yeah. Um, so how are you handling that personally?
1: Um, gosh, there's a couple different ways. Uh, so one is we were able with the, with the Hive, the center I direct, we were able to pivot everything to Zoom um which was an incredible act of like trusting each other and folks kind of building something and the building the plane in the air and uh i was blown away that we were able to pull that off and then comes the question of what happens on zoom and is it as powerful as having folks in circles together um and uh i'd say one of the big learnings uh talking to other facilitators about how that works because typically you might be in a small group of 10 to 18 folks in a circle for an hour and a half for a class on uh, for six weeks in a row. Um, and uh, we often talk about reading the room that you can kind of notice a room, like those, uh, like if you're uh, snorkeling and there's different creatures you touch and then they, they, ribble, they shrivel up and then they open back up, you can notice a room do that the right. same way you can notice it in your body. So without the capacity of being face to face, that's been harder. And I think what I've learned is uh, the power of transmission, that there's something, um, you know, there's a story of Itzhak Perlman talking about uh, not just playing the piece or playing the violin, but playing the room. There's something that can happen uh, transmission-wise from from an artist, from any person, but from that artistic capacity of um, opening empathy and skill so that a room can feel it. And you begin to recognize you don't have to be face to face to do that. So it's been really surprising over zoom in particular to have groups where we're able to open our hearts to one another. And there might be somebody on that zoom call from, uh, the Bay area and somebody else from Florida and whatever. And, and that there's actually collective work happening. That's not bound to the to shorter geography that you can actually open your hearts to each other. That's been big. for Um, Another one has been um, what's the Pascal quote, the uh, um, in troubling times, uh, keep something near you that's beautiful." I'm, I'm sure i butchered that quote, but uh, but it has been important for me uh, to set up a different routine of what is beautiful because uh, um, I'm a go find a new coffee shop, a new bar, a new cocktail, a new like and you your I'm going out, and how can I do that and cultivate that at home?" And Mm. so it's been something as simple as like creating a little space that says for the next half hour, dad's outside listening to music. And I put on an album, not an album outside, but I'll put on a a playlist and sit with a glass of bourbon and kind of notice the the space around me and just let myself take a ride on that artwork Um, or the importance now of poetry more than ever, having Mm. um, something that keeps me from the usual kind of uh, prosaic (laughs) that comes through my phone into a present kind of how do I drop into this this moment um, those are a few things
0: well uh, yeah I know I notice a lot of us are doing a ton of reading that we normally wouldn't be <laughs> doing uh-huh. at the moment so diving into poetry I mean I'm, I'm diving into a lot of books on art a lot of that mm-hmm. theory that I was talking about or just you know how to get back in touch with my inner artist kind of thing I'm doing the artist way uh, yeah. reading Art and Fear and books like that. Do you have any books or recommended reading that you would share with us that's, that could be really good, yeah. specifically on this concept of embodiment and that would help us at this time?
1: Yeah, there's two that come to mind. One book that's done, gone a long way for me, uh, it's changed how I do guided meditation uh, it's changed my own uh, kind of prayer practice and contemplative practice is a book by Wendy Palmer called the intuitive body. Hmm. And, uh, and w- what she gets after that uh, she's an Aikido teacher. That's also done quite a bit of uh, like organizational behavior kind of coaching. And uh, um, it's kind of a pioneer in this field of somatics. And um, she helps us recognize that uh, a mindfulness practice is not um, bypassing or a dissociative habit of going can i get loose of all the pain and the worry and get into kind of a a pie in the sky kind of place but can i be present to how this is hitting my body and she does some Mm. really great exercises we might have some time to do it together but some exercises where you kind of notice the space in front of you and behind you and to your left and right and it it begins to let you situate your your uh i would say the word would be like your locust of perception from the notion that it's happening in our brain, but it's actually happening in our whole body. So you kind of drop into the heart space and into the breath and perceive from that space. Um, and then kind of in the other hand, I'm still a huge fan of Daniel Lendensky's, uh Love Poems from God. And he has uh, he has translations then of work by uh, Hafiz and Rooney and uh, Catherine of Siena and uh, uh, St. Francis and um, um, Rabina and um, uh, Kabir, and it's just a a beautiful set of folks from different faiths, but uh, more or less talking about being present to this body of ours and this experience of ours uh, in a way that we can grieve it and celebrate it because it's so uh, firsthand. We tend to think of spirituality and mysticism as kind of uh, Secondhand or or um, more cloudy, and instead it's 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 this body that's going through this experience, and so uh, they speak from that from a first person in such a beautiful way that just having their words uh, nearby has been pretty good.
0: Mm, thanks for that. I I will definitely. I'm going to break out some Rumi today. I think there we go. That that would be. I have a book <laughs> similar to that that I, I think I'll also get off the shelf. Yeah. And I, as you're speaking about this kind of awareness of space, I wonder for those of us artists who you know, are able to access our studios, like I'm in my studio right now, um, it's something that I take so for granted, even the concept of home as a place where the creativity happens and uh, where I am safe and embodied here in in my sort of the skin of my home, let's say, Yeah. you know, um, I hadn't, there, there has been a sense in all of this, of this homecoming. And I I wonder if it's the same for a lot of people where we're becoming reacquainted with our homes as a kind of protective place for us to be, as opposed to just our bedroom where we sleep and then wake up and go out to start our days, you know? I love that. Yeah. And especially the concept of the studio, you know, the place of creativity where in crisis, you know, is this the place where I would naturally come to, to work through that crisis? You know, can I see that as, as -hmm. an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to take advantage of this, of this space and kind of get to know it in a different way than I had before. Mm -hmm. So that's been something I'm working through here.
1: Mm. I like the and notion of home homecoming. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's been good, and I I know a lot of people are are becoming reacquainted with these really simple ways of of living that do feel so physical, like cooking and baking and uh, working in their gardens. You know, these very physical activities that are decidedly analog. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot of people doing that and a lot of artists using this opportunity to break out materials and paints they haven't used in a while or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So I wonder, you were speaking about this exercise of understanding your space as well. I know we've done that before. Is Would you offer something to our listeners that they can do to kind of make peace with our our bodies and our spaces right now, especially for one thing when we're, we're afraid of our bodies becoming sick, yeah. and we're also af- dealing with the separation from other people and being much more alone than we're used to being.
1: hmm So the yeah, sure, I'd love the 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 inner landscape of your body. Uh, it goes infinitely in. So uh, some folks would say, like, if you want to touch the cosmos, you put your hand out and you've touched it. Like it's it's not out beyond our reach. It's coming to right, right here. The same, uh, the same is true. The, the, the infinite landscape of what's happening within you, and uh, and so it doesn't have to be an escape. It actually is a, it is a homecoming, a returning home. Um, a couple notes about that too are um, that uh, that tears and laughter um, are um, aren't material to write about. They're they're the material to live. They're they're actually messengers, and uh, so sometimes. Uh, in these slower times you might notice tears come up and if you give yourself the permission to go like I'll, I'll follow them a little bit and just let yourself grieve. Mm. Um, and uh, you might notice laughter come up and uh, our artistic cynical self uh, doesn't want to over laugh a thing and just let yourself laugh and watch your kid make a fool of themselves or let yourself be just a little bit looser, that's really big. Um, but here's how this practice would work. Uh, and I'm borrowing a lot from Wendy Palmer's work here. Uh, and if you want to close your eyes, you can, or if you want to just kind of find a soft, um, kind of a soft focus, uh, kind of looking down. Um, and for a minute, just take a couple breaths. Notice the body rising and falling with your breath. Just to get us started here. And we're breathing from our bellies like a singer would breathe. And you notice the weight of your body. Maybe you've thought of your body as being a collection of molecules, kind of marble shaped. Just let those marbles kind of change to a chocolate chip shape where they're heavy on the bottom, the body settle in. And then from this place, uh, place your mind's eye on about a, um, 10 feet ahead of you. Maybe you're in a room, maybe your computer's against the wall and you're looking at the wall. So you have to kind of imagine further out. And without looking there, just imagine your attention on that space and then walk that attention closer to the distance of the screen you're using right now or a book you might be holding in your hand. And then walk that attention even closer to right up against your chest, moving through the body. for this moment, just noticing the space four or five inches behind you. We spend so much of our time viewing the wallet sized picture version of ourselves um, or the zoom window version of ourselves. We don't recognize all this space we're inhabiting. So just notice that space behind you. The crown of your head across the back and shoulders, past the uh, sit bones and hamstrings and the heels into the floor. and just notice that whole field behind you that uh, that's still kind of part of your realm or part of your world. And similarly with the left side, so start with the crown of the head. The left side of the face and the neck. Noticing your shirt on your shoulder and your arm, your ribs and the hip and knee and ankle into the floor and just notice that whole field to your left. Almost like you're standing by a radiator and you can feel some of the heat. And sweep that attention slowly through the center of the body. Like you've slowed the film down on, on a broom. It's just slowly sweeping through the center of your body making its way to the right side. And then you're outside the right side of your body. And similarly going from the crown of the head to the right side of the face, the temple and cheek and ear and jaw. Off of that to the shoulder and arm, the ribs, the hip and knee and ankle. And now you're noticing that similar, like the warmth of a radiator or the steam off of a large fountain, the mist. Just noticing that space to the right of you. And then now let that attention come back to the center of the body. It's like a pendulum slowing down till it becomes still in the middle of the body. And all the experiences you've had in life, all the stories that you've carried with you, those stories have happened around this body of yours and all those experiences have happened in this body of yours. And right now for this minute, our bodies are sharing an experience Now start with the crown of the head dropping down through the busy brain. It's grateful for all that it's done on purpose and all the reactions and all the um, unconscious things it does automatically. Down to behind the eyes between the ears. past the sinuses and palate into the mouth. It's grateful for all that the mouth has done. you've said and tasted and breathed and following that to the root of the tongue and swallowing and noticing the center of the neck. Following that down through the beating heart and past the solar plexus to the breath like a large balloon in the middle of the body there. Hafiz, the Sufi mystic, says that there's a The only air that the divine breathes is the air that I'm breathing. This body of yours experiencing this moment. And as you notice stuff, fight, flight, freeze, and submit kind of as survival strategies amidst all the coronavirus scares. Just notice how that hit your body right now when I said that. And just return to that breath to this body of yours, the gift that you have of your body. Notice when fear or anger or anxiety arise. Just honor that, when tears and laughter arise, when boredom arises, when you find yourself sleepy, just notice it all. Live into the question, into the life you have right now, as Rilke would say. from this place uh, just honoring that inner landscape almost imagine if you had taken your shoes off now and you're just kind of walking out backing out slowly with reverence acknowledging what's happening within you Tell you slowly acknowledge what's happening as your whole life this body of yours the trauma that's written on your body the joys and the memories the things you've already forgotten things yet to happen in this body Slowly opening your eyes and uh, returning to your work from a place that's uh, maybe a little bit more uh, at home.
0: Thank you so much, Troy.
1: You bet. Thanks for the invitation.
0: It's great chatting with you and really wish your family peace right now and and love.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, you all too. And uh, um, stay in touch. Will do. All right.
0: Thanks, my friend.
1: You bet. You bet. Take care.
0: All right. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye.